for joining us for our book study, I Believe in Love. I am Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you probably have no idea who we are or (laughs) might not know who we are. Um, But we are the co-hosts of the Draw Near podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, you can find us on drawnear.me. It's more of a ministry than strictly a podcast. Um, But we are very, very excited to be leading this book study with you for the next 10 weeks. Kara, we've had this as a goal for our listeners for about a year now. Yeah. And for whatever reason, just the the busyness of doing ministry work. It just never worked out, but thanks be to God with Sue Shipe, Mm -hmm. uh, we're able to do that now. So yeah, we're just very grateful to be with you all. Yeah. And thank you for joining us um, and for choosing to follow along with us in St. Therese as we all grow a little bit closer to God. So I think um, we'd like to start by sharing just a little bit about, um, kind of how this book has impacted us because we read this like two years ago. It was mm-hmm. during COVID. Yeah, during the shutdown, yeah. Yeah, everything was shut down. And so this book honestly is so transformative and we have a lot of hopes for each of you as you're going to go through it with us. Um, but we wanted to share kind of how it transformed us when we first went through it and first read it. So um, I, I'll go ahead and share if that's okay. Yeah. So I knew of Therese, but I didn't really know much about her. I had read Story of a Soul maybe like a couple months before diving into this book. And so this is, as you all know, it's a retreat that's based on her teaching. So it's not her writing it. It's somebody else who knows a great deal about her and has led retreats about her. um, That's basically putting that retreat into a book um, based on her life and just kind of her way of love and her relationship with Christ. The little way. The little way, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, um, the impact that it had on me was very tangible. Like I saw my faith as something that like, I knew I'm supposed to be a faithful Catholic and I'm trying to live it. But ultimately, like I was, I was like a very lukewarm Catholic before this book. And I credit this book for pushing me beyond that. And I feel like you're smiling right now. I feel like you're like, no, you weren't. (laughs) Well, I think because we've been very close friends for so long, it's, it's, I get it. It's hard for me to imagine that because I've always looked to you as like a bright light in the faith. But I I do see like what the transformation you're talking about. Like it's just even brighter now, (laughs) you know? So yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I think For me, it was very much as, you know, the author brought Therese to life and her love for God and like just diving into the life of a saint was what just pushed me like, I want to be like that. I want to be a saint. And I had never really thought about it like that or really, you know, challenged myself to that point. It was just like, I'm Catholic. I love God. Mm -hmm. Um, But what does it mean to be a saint Um, and to really... Like, that's your intention for holiness, not just to be like, I'm Catholic, so I do this and I do this. But really, I love God and I want to live with him forever. So that's why I do this. And 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 what does that love mean? Exactly. What does it look like and why does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was kind of my the transformation that this book brought for me. But what did it do for you, Fred? Kara, I think, you know, we read it about the same time from what I remember. Uh, It was during the COVID shutdown with the pandemic. And St. Therese just. It was what I needed in that moment. I think I discovered yet another best friend uh, in St. Therese. And I think her teaching her little way is kind of what helped me cope during the pandemic, during the shutdown. And 
you know, a lot of my identity was tied up in the work I do, the ministry we do, and all that was taken away. And so um, it, I really struggled, even though I'm an introvert, I'm a very relationshipy <laughs> introvert. And, um, you know, even when you're home every day with a house full of kids, you right. still miss people. Yeah. And I, it felt lonely. It felt dark. And I found in St. Therese, St. Therese's little way, a lot of the answers I was looking for and the new direction I needed, because I, I, I don't think I really thought of love the way she did. Mm-hmm. Which I think the way she presents it and the way it, it, it the book builds on it, I believe in love. I think that's what we all need. I, I really think this book should be required reading for every Catholic. Yeah. It's that good. And I think particularly I'm excited for when we get to chapter seven mm. on the apostolate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they're the, all good. <laughs> they're all good, but but that book is what really set me on fire. But this this opening chapter, Love for Love, it's basically the gospel message. It is, yeah. And it's just so beautiful how Father Dalbe presents the gospel message. He usually walks through. He literally walks through the stories of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I don't know, from start to finish, it just drew me in. It was medicine for my soul during that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned that this book really brought something into your life when you were away from people. I feel like for me, it was like uh, it brought light into my life when I was away from church. Uh, Because obviously during the pandemic, like we couldn't go to mass. And I think maybe that's what I mean when I say like it took me from lukewarm to like actually wanting to strive for sainthood Mm -hmm. because mass was my faith. Like that's how I defined I'm a good Catholic. Right. Was I went to mass on Sunday, maybe like an occasional daily mass. Mm -hmm. But because we couldn't, I think it was like, how am I growing closer to God right now? Right. Because that normal routine was not there anymore yeah and it was like five months before at least in our diocese i was able to receive communion so it was a very long time and i think for the first month we hadn't shut down yet but i had just had my second son and so we usually wait just a little bit right because it was in the middle of winter like cold season Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and then before we even had a chance to go back it shut down. So I had like an extended right. month or yeah. so yeah. of like not being able to go and receive. Um, and that was really hard. And so for, I think that month was like, once it was actually taken was like, you know, what do I do now? Yeah. And even initially there was that, like there was a, we're in this together. We're going to do the domestic church at home. Like we, right. we painted our windows to look like yeah. stained glass. Yeah, it was great. And there was that excitement, but initially i mean there was a sadness but also like oh we're gonna we're gonna do do this this, you know um but then easter came Mm -hmm. and there was no vigil yeah and then divine mercy came Mm -hmm. and it seemingly there was no mercy yeah you know that's not true obviously but it I think that's when it started to feel that way. It's really hard. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I went through this um, with a group of my friends as well. And they kind of, we we always reference it. Like we've continued and we've done several books since this, but this was our first one. And we always reference it. Like Mm -hmm. we were, you know, this was what we all needed in that moment. And like Therese sought us out. We we like all feel that way. Amen. And so I just kind of hope that that's how everybody feels. Like Therese is seeking you out and she wants to transform you. Amen. Yeah. yeah, and we've been blessed to lead other groups through this together, Kara. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. So, yeah, this is exciting to get to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, um, this is like a review because we have gone through this several times, but like I started obviously rereading it for the sake of this study, and I was reading this conference number one, mm-hmm. and I just started smiling, mm-hmm. and I kind of had to look up uh, to God mm-hmm. and 
uh, I was just like, you're funny. Because there was one part, um, I think it's on page 19. And this is like one of the things that stood out to me. And it said, victory depends on our faith, our hope, and our charity. And you know the story, Fred. But this was probably like six months ago or so. Um, where I just was like having kind of a, a big prayer moment with the virtues and God sort of called me out on a lot of things regarding the virtues. Um, so there was this mass that I went to and like, I was kind of in a bit of a rut with my prayer. And I, I told God before mass started, I was like, look, I have faith, but I'm not sure I have any hope. And actually I think it was the opposite. I told him I have hope, but I'm not sure I have any faith. And the entire mass was about faith. Like the readings were James, like faith versus works. All of the intentions were like about the virtues. Mm -hmm. Everything was. And I cried the majority of the Mm -hmm. mass. Um, Thankfully, it was still when we were wearing masks. And so people didn't know that (laughs) I was crying. But I cried for a lot of it. And honestly, what he was telling me in the midst of that mass was like, you admitted you think you have hope, but you don't have faith. And I'm telling you, you don't even have hope. Right. Wow. So it was like, but the like the beautiful thing was that he called me out on it. Like everything that I was coming and like laying out, he was kind of ripping it open even more, (laughs) but in such a good way. Um, and so I feel like this is a little bit of a, a review of that for me, like calling back, you can't have victory in anything in your life, let alone your prayer life. If you're not, you know, united to him in love, which is the greatest of the virtues and which brings all of the virtues together. But in these, these virtues of faith, hope, and love, like you cannot have a relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. or have victory in, in that life, you right. know? Yeah. It's interesting too, like even the timing of like we were talking about when we read this and mm-hmm. the impact it had. Because like, like just above the passage you're quoting on page 19, he talks about, in our time when hatred is spreading in the world in a terrifying way, mm-hmm. we must withstand its assaults, its inundating waves with a rampart of love. Now, now keep in mind, this was written in like the 50s or the 60s, as I recall. And I don't know, like you put this in that time and even what the past two years has been like, right. so much division, so much strife. And the focus of this book is love. It's answering that with love. Love is how we overcome. Love is how we have faith. Love is how we have hope. You know, our victory is ensured also in the love, in the love one another. Yeah, so we're going to kind of take this study with really talking about, like, here are a few things that stood out to us. We're obviously not going to be able to touch on everything in every single conference. But I think if we're all able to really be like, something is going to impact us. So right. we're kind of going to share a little bit about what those things are yeah. um, that impact us. So Fred, what's something that kind of stood out to you? I want to say the whole chapter. I know, Honestly, right? it's so good. Um, I think the very first page, page three in this chapter, immediately what stood out to me, it's what got me through the whole book. It's why chapter seven is my favorite chapter. Mm-hmm. It, it's the what I needed uh, in the moment. And that's on page three. Only your personal and profound union with Christ will assure the fruit, fruitfulness of your apostolate, whatever it may be. John 15, 5 comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I think that that line, in a way, sums up the entire book. Yeah. Because it's saying, unless you're rooted in Christ, rooted in his love, abiding in him, then you're not going to ultimately bear Any much fruit. fruit. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I talked about tying my identity to my work and ministry I don't think I realized that. Yeah. And if if you would have 
ask me if I was doing that, even if you would have told me I was doing that, I wouldn't have believed either. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think this helped me to see that as, wow, I'm doing an awful lot in my own strength. I need to be abiding in his love. So I think initially that is one of the first things that grabbed me mm-hmm. in the book because it it speaks to the experience, the first experience. Yeah. I had reading the book. Yeah, I like that. I think uh, one of the things that stood out that kind of goes along with that is they make a connection. I'm forgetting what page it's on, but they make a connection to um, Luke chapter 12, where he says, I have come to cast fire on the earth. You know, which oh, passage? Yeah. Yep. I've come to cast fire on the earth. And then it continues. It doesn't in the book, but it continues in that passage and how I wish it were already kindled or already mm-hmm. ablaze. And I think like that really goes, you know, you're not going to bear fruit in your life and your postulate unless you are abiding in Christ. But he came to cast fire on the earth. And the way that he does that is exactly what this pa- this whole conference is about. The way that he is going to cast fire on the earth is through love. Yes. And I think um, I heard a talk recently that it made just such a great connection to Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Like when you think of that passage at Pentecost, tongues of fire appear and what is that fire like at pentecost they're receiving the holy spirit which is often obviously portrayed with fire right and the holy spirit is love himself right so in receiving love himself and then what do they go and do they literally cast fire onto the earth they (laughs) baptize people they confirm people casting Mm -hmm. fire they convert thousands of people like that's what we are all called to do. Right. I think it was uh, it was such a good challenge in reading, rereading this. Like I said, it was a review, but you're always at different states in your life. And so reading it, you know, two years later, there are different things that I'm going to pull out oh, that I pulled out the first time. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And even as you say that, enkindle in us the fire of your love. Yes. We, we pray that prayer and then come yep. Holy Spirit prayer. Yeah. Why? Right. So that we may renew the face yep. of the earth. Well, it's him doing the renewing, but through us. Exactly. And that love enkindled in our hearts. Yeah. Like he's the one who is cast the fire. I thought that was, uh, that's one of the things that stood out to me. And there's, there was a part again on page 19, I think is where I, I also said from the virtues, but there was a part that it asked like, what can we, the little flock do in our weakness? And then it says, we have all the power of love at our mm. disposal. So I really wow. like just that's that awesome. image of like the small and the weak, mm-hmm. but even the weak, like we have the greatest power to do exactly what he asks because we have the power of love when we're united to him. Yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. Right. Yeah. It it stands out to me also every time I read it mm-hmm. when he talks about not letting your past sins be a struggle Always. To you. Yes. And, and I think... We uh, all do that. Yeah. And oftentimes I don't think we realize how much. So the emphasis he places on the exchange, mm-hmm. as he calls it, of... You know, Jesus takes on our sins, his blood on us. Yes. But gosh, I don't. I could read this every day and never grow tired of it. The, yeah. You know, uh, I should ask you urgently to never let your past sins be an obstacle for you. Yeah. It's a ruse of the devil to keep past. Yep. You know, putting them before your eyes. Uh, the Lord has cast them into to the sea. Don't go back looking for them. Mm-hmm. So we talk a lot about. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray that in the Our Father, but oftentimes the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. It is, yeah. And to realize how much God loves us and our past sins that we've brought to confession, we've repented, those reveal a lot about his love and mercy for us. Mm -hmm. And yet I keep finding myself, even though I do this and I know this, I often go back Mm -hmm. 
there it is again. Right. You know, uh, I let it be an obstacle, I but it too. isn't for him. I do too. You know. Yeah, and it definitely is lies of the devil, like where it talks about, um, you know, the devil is like tempting you to do it. You know, you won't, you won't die. You'll be like God, just like in the in the desert right. or in the garden. But like the second you give into temptation, it's an immediate switch. Like how could you? God can never love you. So it's like the temptation with the fruit making it seem so obviously tempting, you know, mm-hmm. delightful. But then the second they do, they hide, they're ashamed. We mm-hmm. do the same thing. Right. But he, God wants to love us in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. And so when we fall, when we give into temptation, he's like, where are you? Which is the question he asked in the garden. He's like, where are you? Like he wants us to come forward to right. him and to seek him out. Yeah. And one of the things that stood out to me was like exactly this. There were several kind of parts in this conference that connect with this. He, uh, the author talks about how God doesn't need you. Do you remember that part where he, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And theologically, like that is true. And he walks through that, you know, theologically, he was good in himself. He didn't need you to praise him. He didn't need you to love him because he's a communion of love. Like he doesn't need you. The fancy philosophical word ontologically, he doesn't need you yes. to exist, to be God. Yeah. He doesn't need you to be God. Like he is God without mm. you, no matter what, but in love, he freely makes us. And so he uses the, that word though several times need mm-hmm. so first he does in he doesn't need you but then he talks about how like especially converts you know oh, to yeah. i love that part and i was going to ask you about yeah. that like if that part relates to you as a convert fred which several people i'm sure in this book study might not know that mm-hmm. maybe we should give a little mm-hmm. bit of background with the comments mm-hmm. but um it says you were in some way a need to his heart, mm-hmm. like as a convert, like you were in some way a need to his heart. He needed you to come into the church. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so beautiful. And he, he references that several times, right. like the, the, the heart of God, the love of God, like he thirsts for your soul. He talks about that as well. Yeah. So to say he doesn't need you, but then later say you were such a need to him. Right. There's a contradiction there, but not right. Like, uh, like what you said, ontologically, he doesn't need us, but he so needs us, right, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he thirsts for us. Exactly. Yeah. And you're right, as a convert. Did you relate to that part? It does. That part always stands out to me because yeah. um, it's hard to imagine. Like, I, I think of the same thing, those obstacles, those sins, and, and my own unworthiness. We, we pray at every mass, you know, mm-hmm. I am not worthy that yeah. I should enter under your roof. Acknowledging that and feeling that way. And realizing that, you know, as somebody who lived a sinful life, had a radical conversion, was serving the Lord in the Protestant church, but then discovered the Catholic church, you know, um, it is overwhelming to think about that, that he, like, he kept wooing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, even after that initial conversion, he still wasn't done with me. Mm -hmm. And. Lord, why? why? Maybe that goes <laughs> like, to, to back to like your past sins. Right. It's like, why? Yeah. Like, why do you need me? And the words of Cardinal Newman come to mind here that every one of us, speaking about the giftedness and the purpose for which we're all created, Cardinal Newman says, you know, each of us is necessary, as, an, as necessary as in our place, as an angel is in their place. Mm. And that can be overwhelming to think about, but Somehow in God's providence and his love and his mercy, it's true. And then it goes back. He goes right back to love. And so this related to that stands out to me. If you have been loved like this, you must love in return. Mm -hmm. There must be no limits on your love. Right. That's the kind of, he thirsts for that same kind of love for 
from us that he mm-hmm. pours into our hearts as well. Which is the t- conference title, Love for Love. Yeah. 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 And Kara, I think when we, we hear that, thinking, you know, feeling like we're got we're necessary somehow in the plan of God, that we're needed in that sense, that we're created for purpose, mm-hmm. you know, out of love, it can feel like, who am I? Yeah. Still, you know, that we're not qualified. And this is probably one of my favorite parts of the chapter as well that stood out to me even more this reading. He he talks about how when when Jesus came to approach Peter after he the resurrection, he he didn't sit down with him, you know, at the fire and ask, you know, what what's your five year goal? Right. You know, what's your education? What formal training do you have to lead the church? Yeah. You know, you, yep. there wasn't a job interview to be the pope. Yeah. He asked him one question. Do you love me? Mm-hmm. He asked it three times. And of course, that's a whole study yeah, in itself. Yeah, there's beauty in that too, yeah. But that was the only thing, mm-hmm. was do you love me? And his answer to that question was what qualified him mm-hmm. and living that answer to that question. Yeah. I think that ultimately goes to the aim of this study is being able to answer that question well. So I'm just going to really quickly read what the author has as his aim for this retreat. And this is Fred and and my goal as well for you. He says it's on page 22. He says, my principal aim in this retreat is to give some answers to your personal problems. Those in short, which preoccupy you most, sometimes to the point of anguish, because they have to do with the eternal life of your soul. And because on your sanctity depends the light that will radiate through you upon your neighbor and the world. So we will be judged by how we love. And then it goes on on page 23. There are persons who are baptized, who are confirmed, who receive communion, who are in a state of grace, who are temples of the Holy Spirit, yet who pass through their whole lives on earth without ever having experienced this heart to heart relationship with their father in heaven, their creator, their savior. And the happiness which comes from being a joy for one another is not the life of grace, the beginning of eternal beatitude. So that's really what we want for all of you is to just grow to that place where we have that personal heart to heart connection with God. And to see that you are a joy for Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Amen. So Fred, um, within this retreat, how are we going to kind of continue with them? We have questions and yeah so each week you'll find the discussion questions posted in the group for each week uh there will also be space for you to post your own Mm -hmm. uh your own reflections your own answers to the question even pose questions to the group and we will be joining you you know commenting posting as well as we begin this journey together over the next 10 weeks in week five and in week 10 we will be joining you for a live zoom discussion so we'll actually be in person, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, with all of you to discuss live uh, our thoughts mm-hmm. and and hear from you. Kara, uh, I'm looking forward to learning from everybody else doing the study with us. I am too. I'm really excited for just the community building element. So we put together several questions for you to discuss um, within the feed on Sushipe, as well as personal reflections and meditations for yourself. So throughout each week, just be sure to pay attention to those. And that's really where, you know, God is going to move through the author and through St. Therese, but he's also going to move through your contemplation with what you're reading. So we just pray that all of you can really enter into this study and get the most out of what God has for you. So thanks for joining. Amen. Thank you.